Hello, everybody. This is the Woodward Tigers Supplemental. As I will not be the main show, I'm going to a concert this evening. I'm going to host this. I mean, it's Chris Brown. And a lot of activities took place this afternoon as it's been free agency started as of 5.30 today. So as of, let's see here, we're recording now at 5.42. So it started 12 minutes ago. And the Tigers did a, a lot of moves to clear space in the roster. So they let go of Victor Reyes, Elvin Rodriguez, Brian Garcia, Luis Castillo, Luis Garcia, and Jermaine Palacios outrighted Toledo. So those were names were outrighted Toledo. And everybody but Luis Garcia, I believe, or in, in Reyes can decline the assignment. But Victor Reyes decided to be a free agent, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's choosing free agency, which uh, is his right, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. He's been the yeah. – go ahead, Chris. All right. No, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I mean, this is this is uh, this is the new Scott Harris world, um, and, and I'm not sure there's a player that typifies the Alavila era more than Victor Reyes. Really, like, uh, you know, he, he. We even talked about this when we went down there, the very beginning of the season, down on the field. Like he looks like a ball player when you see him. He's tall. He's athletic. He's fast. He's got raw power. Uh, He's, you know, what scouts like, what old scouts like. He shows flashes in all five schools, lacks the skills to use them. And they gave him five years to try. And Scott Harris is like, nah, nah, you know, you know, that's cool. You know, you've got talent, but you can't use it enough to be useful. So bye-bye. And then meanwhile, Scott Harris, <laughs> Scott Harris claims Jermaine Palacios on waivers, what, like a month ago? And then cuts him. <laughs> like uh, not cuts him, but sends him to Toledo today, right? So it's like that's the difference. Instead of holding on to Victor Reyes for five years, you're going to hold on to guys like that for as long as it takes to get someone better. And we saw today they they added Andy Ibanez, which is uh, you know, he's another infielder, and maybe they like him more than Palacios. So there we go. Yeah, he's from he was playing in Texas, 29 years old, out of Havana, Cuba. So he is he was part. He escaped from Cuba and was in part of Texas system now for, since 2015, I want to say, something like that effect. And the big thing on him, though, is that his chase and whiff rates are more disciplined than the average major league hitter. So there's some data behind that. A lot of people in the Discord were like, it's, again, it's it's one of many things to come. Like, I, I feel like we're going to, next couple of weeks, we're going to see a lot of different moves, and we're just not going to take a bad, a, a bad an eye about it. Another one that came... Yesterday, as you talked about this, and not all waiver moves are announced, was Daz Cameron was picked up by the Orioles. And you brought up a good point about the Mike, excuse me, the Mike Ellis connection because he was down there in Houston while Daz Cameron was down there. So, and uh, for Baltimore, didn't his dad play for Baltimore too, I believe? You know, I don't know. I mean, his dad played for a bunch of teams. Uh, we can check that out. But yeah, I mean, sometimes um, you. And, and it's it's entirely possible that the Orioles think they can use Dash Cameron. Uh, he, he's another guy who showed flashes at times, but never could put everything together. He finished, he's a 201 career hitter in the big leagues with the Tigers with five homers, but to over 70 games. But uh, yeah, sometimes it's just like a situation where Mike, Mike Elias was the scouting director for the Astros when they drafted Dash Cameron. And he's now the general manager, or he might even be the president of baseball operations in Baltimore, I'm not sure, but so sometimes you, uh, you know, you have a fondness for a particular player, or you think you can, you know, get out of him what you saw when you drafted him, and so that that 
I think that's probably why he went to Baltimore. But I, you know, I, I'm not expecting Jazz Cameron to turn around and hurt the Tigers. But you know, what's interesting is though, even even if he does, I don't think Scott Harris is scared of that. Whereas I thought the last front office was. I thought that they were scared of letting go of players and uh, and getting burned by that. And I don't think Scott Harris. I think he's going to cycle through guys so much that he's going to win some and he's going to lose some, and he's probably going to win more than he loses just through activity. So it's going to be the Kenny. Ro- he's going to be the Kenny Rogers of the Tigers. You know, win the hold them, win the fold them. But no, and Dad. By the way, his, you're talking about uh, Kenny Rogers chicken, and he's going to rotate like a rotate. Oh, <laughs> it's delicious. I still haven't tried. It. Wait, was Kenny Rogers chicken not real? Right, that wasn't a real roster. No, I think it? it's real. Kenny Rogers roasters. This is important baseball stuff. We need to know. Let me. All right, I've well, never had it. A million dollar question. Well, Chris answers that. I did answer the the Mike Cameron. Mike Cameron did not play for Baltimore for some strange reason. I thought he did, but he. Oh, you froze up on me. He played, he played for Houston. Stopped working, so I don't know what's going on. Oh, uh, yeah. there. Uh, San Diego and Milwaukee and Boston. So, oh, I played a year in Cincinnati too. So, there you go. Those are the teams that Dad um, or Mike Cameron played for. So yeah, the important the important answer is that yes, Kenny Rogers Roasters was a real chicken restaurant. It might still be. It was founded in 1991 by Kenny Rogers and the former CEO of KFC. So yeah, there you go. Um, Is there any around here? I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, right. Sorry, I made the three <laughs> on that. But uh, so also, uh, Josh Lester was all right at Toledo, which kind of expected. And we mentioned, I believe we—I don't know if we talked about this. Uh, Sean uh, Gunther was a lefty that was claimed for the by the Marlins, or he was with the Marlins. He is out with Tommy John, and he was a guy who had. Really good control numbers in the in the minor leagues, but but when he got called up, kind of his cup of coffee with Miami didn't look too well. But again, it's a guy that the Tigers with then Andrew Chafin deciding to choose free agency, which Skyer said he has talked to him and and they're still negotiating what have you. So right now, all the GM stuffs going on in Las Vegas, and I envy all the writers that are out there right now who are more likely. Although I'll be honest, if I was out there right now, I couldn't trust myself near. I don't really like to gamble too much. I mean, I do gamble, but blackjack's pro- probably about it. I and I've when I was in Vegas last time, I played War. Apparently, you can mm-hmm. win money. They played War. I think it was at the you play War. Yeah, you can play War, and I won two hundred dollars playing War. So that was my wow. only trip to Vegas. That was that was. Oh, you froze up again. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember uh, the. Oh. Did I, oh, did I freeze? It did. Yeah, I don't know okay. if it's on your end or Go my on. end. Probably my end. I, I don't trust my computer. But um, yeah, just to, to, to continue on this important Kenny Rogers stuff. Yes, it's closed in the United States, but still open in other countries for some reason. But anyway, you know that the, the Gunther one, or Gunther, as I, I like to call him, that one's kind of interesting to me because he was on the injured list and they, they claimed him and then made room for him uh, today. That was the final move they made. You know, they, they released six guys total, six or seven, and then added all 10 from the 60-day the IL. Uh, and Guthrie is one of them. So I think they they actually like him a fair amount, whereas uh, not to say that they don't like any of the other guys that they're adding, but I, I feel like uh, 
he might be slightly less replaceable to them, but uh, we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, it, it's and and it's it's not over. There's still a handful of guys on the roster who who will be gone probably in another week or two, if not, uh, you know, definitely by the start of next year, because they've got to add, they've got to make room for uh, guys they want to protect from the Rule Five, and they have to make room for free agents, and we think they're going to sign a couple of those. So, um, yeah, but it's it's. It's fun to have the player movement happening. Yeah, it seems like there's a kind of a hot stove feel to it already. And so for as far as injury updates were concerned, too, they busted those out. Bo Brisky is symptom-free. has started normal offseason progression, according to the Tigers. Matt Manning, same thing. Ronnie Garcia, same thing. Same thing with Austin Meadows. Jake Rogers recently started a throwing progression that's thrown at least to 60 feet. According to the Tigers, he was swinging a bat late last season but wasn't ready for full activity. As far as Tarek Skubal goes, certainly focusing on overall forearm and grip strength without restriction and is scheduled to see doctors again in December develop a throwing program. Neither Tigers nor Skubal have publicly discussed a timetable with a typical return for a pitcher is six to nine months, depending on the extent of the surgery. Spencer Turnbull is, is symptom-free and performing his normal offseason, and the Tigers are not gonna, didn't want to rush him back, so I wanted my full strength coming up this year. And lastly... Kyle Funkhauser is working on a shoulder strength, range of motion, and scap control. According to the team, he has not resumed throwing as of yet. So those are as of November 8th. So as far as a, a couple, yeah, man, a couple things about that. First of all, it's, it's, it's nice to hear a lot of those updates because um, they all seem mostly positive. But it's also nice to hear them at all. This is not the way the Tigers used to operate, right? This, is, this feels like a Scott Harris thing. Suddenly, like, they're just letting everybody know how the injured players are doing. That was, we never heard, like, we, we might get one or two updates every now and then. And sometimes you would get, you know, behind the scenes updates from, from you know, the dugout. Uh, but this is, you know, a, a, a new era of transparency so far, which is nice because it, it, you know, we don't have to speculate about certain things. They, they're even being specific about like, hey, this is what they're working on. You know, he's presenting his lumbar. It's like, all right, cool. Um, the one that, that is a little bit, interesting to me is the Jake Rogers one because when did he have his Tommy John surgery? It was like was it August of last year? August? It was August. Yeah, it was August of the previous season. So it was what's interesting was is a hinch during I believe I think it was like in late July and August when he was talking to us in the in the dugout that Rogers was gonna expected to come back soon. He, I'm not I'm trying to paraphrase but he was talking about Rogers coming back probably by the end of the year and then in late August he's like ah oh, never mind. So mm -hmm. something happened there. Yeah. So it looks like, yeah, it was, looks like September. So it's, you know, 14 months later, he's thrown from 60 feet. That seems a little alarming to me. Didn't he also, I mean, didn't we, didn't we get an update midsummer too, though, that he was throwing? Remember like, in I spring, so, yeah, he, I mean, yeah, or I, like I August did. or June or something like that. I remember, I, I remember there was a tweet about it or something to that extent. So that does make me wonder if there was a little bit of a setback. It's, it's, it's like, you know, Tommy John surgery can take nine months to two years for, for pitchers, right? It, it, it really is all dependent. Usually for position players, it's not that long, more like a year. For catching is a little bit different, right? But the main, the main thing that pitchers need to get back is their feel, their, their feel for commanding their pitches. Uh, you know, in Jake Rogers, as a catcher, you're just throwing fastballs. Hopefully, maybe a two seamer every now and then, but um, so yeah, I, I guess the the one difference 
there is is that it's it's a different kind of throwing, right? Like you're not throwing very often. You throw at the in between innings, but then like a, suddenly you're throwing as hard as you possibly can. So th there may just be like you just need the extra strength to be able to withstand suddenly going full out. But yeah, I don't know. I, like I don't want to be alarmist. It just seems like it's taken a little bit longer. So I think we could probably surmise that there was some kind of setback there, but we don't know how severe and they didn't say it. So that's all we know. No, you're right. And there's, it, it could be numerous things too. Maybe something on his swing that wasn't correct when he's swinging through the, the plane, who knows, but you're right. It's been a league of shadows for a long time with the front office in terms of injury updates and, and just kind of like cloak and dagger kind of thing. It was really strange. It kind of reminded me of hockey injuries because they always say upper body, lower body, and it's all very vague when it comes to the NHL. But now we're getting some transparency. And another thing, too, that in terms of even coming from a sense of more scientists or more, if you will, but it's the hiring of assistant Robin Lung, who's been who's going to work as assistant under Chris Fetter. And so this is a guy who was at the University of Iowa. Um, he... he He's been there. He's got a doctorate in exercise science and spending 16 years as the associate professor teaching kinesiology yeah, at Northern Iowa. And he was That's the infamous uh, degree that everybody at University of Michigan football team would take. What's the million? Okay. So, one million dollar question without me researching, what the hell is it? I think it's the science of movement. Okay. Which somebody in, you know, involved with pitching probably takes it very seriously. Uh, I think, uh, I think for a lot of, college football players was probably more like a glorified gym class, but uh, I don't know. I've never taken a kinesiology class, so maybe people can correct me there and I will apologize. And he's helped Iowa. I mean, for example, the, the, the pitching staff, and this is an article from Jason Beck that did a really good job. was ranked second nationally with 6.80 hits allowed per nine innings, third with 11.2 K per nine. And uh, Iowa is not known for baseball. It's not a big baseball program at all. But yeah, it was in a guy who got to the majors was Adam Mazar, who was drafted. Yeah, he was, and they had four players and four pitchers in last year's draft, correct? Uh, looks like it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm checking right now. Four, uh, yeah, four pitchers taken, three of them signed. Yeah, Adam Mazar was was uh, drafted by the Padres, not by Mark Hunter, but um. Yeah, he was a guy who popped up early in the year because I think he came from a junior college. And uh, he was really showing some arm strength and some pitching ability, and then it kind of all fell apart toward the end of the year. But he yeah. still went in the uh, the top you know, 53rd overall. So, yeah, I mean, Iowa, I don't know, we've, we've talked before in the past about a lot of the advances being made in pitching and stuff like that are happening at the college level as people are trying to find any sort of advantage they can. And we saw Chris Fetter come from the college level, and obviously we're pretty happy with what he's done. I think most Tigers fans are. And uh, so, yeah, this, this, it's a, an impressive time. And in, in the one thing we didn't mention is that it's not like he's not replacing anybody. They just added staff position because this is a guy they like and they want him to help. And so that's good because you can do that. You can add coaches. Now, A.J. Hinch said he wasn't going to have like 20 coaches like the Giants did or whatever, but they add a handful more, and that's fine. For me, at least. Yeah, no, and as long ahead. as you're not like, you know, as long as everybody's got the same kind of message, uh, I think the more bodies, the better. 
Yeah, and that means also that Juan Nieves is coming back too as as well. Yeah. So no, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. You look, the, if you're gonna have like a lab of science t- scientists, might as well have a lab full of pitching coaches. And again, and one thing that Pack mentioned in his article, which I thought was really good, was that his sports science background, considering the Tigers' rotation was ravaged by injuries, this is a good mm-hmm. opportunity. And the Tigers fired their entire medical staff. I mean, no one, no one survived. And they, there's probably a reason why for that. And they're going to start new. And if they have people who can look at something in terms of analytically speaking and look at, I mean, there's right now there's 3D model, like there's a whole entire 3D model of a pitcher where he's throwing. It's like a stick figure with little, uh, little balls on it. And I'm totally butchering it, but you get the idea. <laughs> no, there's, a, there's a lot of ways to identify injury. Well, I mean, that's injury prevention is the holy grail in sports. I, I, it's probably impossible to ever, uh, you know, completely prevent injuries, especially in contact sports. Uh, but if someone can ever figure out how to lessen them by 5%, 10%, that's a huge advantage. And uh, that, that could be what the Tigers are going for. It, and that's the sort of stuff that it's hard for us to know without being inside the, you know, the labs and the training rooms and stuff like that. But it's, it's something that every team is striving for. And if the Tigers can get better at that, that would probably help because it's not great to use 17 starting pitchers in one season. Unless yeah. all 17 of them are awesome and you have no other choice. It was, an, it was unusual. It was unusual. By the way, the Dodgers, just breaking news, accept qualifying offers to uh, Tyler Alexander. Tyler Anderson. Express an interest in being traded to Philadelphia. Am I freezing up again? Yeah, well, who, who was okay. wanting to get traded to Philadelphia? Trey Turner. Trey Turner has been talked about wanting to go to Philadelphia, and then Tyler. Oh wow! Well, that's Tyler a perfect Anderson. fit. Yeah, Tyler Anderson also got a, a qualifying offer. So, uh, in other words, if a team wants to trade for him, they're going to have to give up a draft pick to get them, is that or sign them, correct? If it's yeah, yeah, so um, sign them. Yeah, there were a couple uh, qualifying offers that were shocking to me. Maybe they shouldn't have been, but Jock Peterson got one. Yeah, um, a little Chris Bassett got one. Um, so, but then other other people like Jose Quintana didn't get one. So they're they're you know, there's just a few more than I expected this year because it's 19 and a quarter million. I think it's it's like yeah. But I think in general teams are more willing to spend 20 million on one season now than they are willing to give a guy like a five year or six year deal. They're like yeah, you know, it's one year we can live with that. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if the Tigers go after anybody with a, uh, who has a qualifying offer. I know a lot of people have been talking about Contreras, but uh, I don't know. That just seems unlikely to me. But we, I mean, we'll discuss that more in the, the long show. Yeah, over the, in the late show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it gets well, a little blue up there. Well, I still think the Tigers are going to make a trade for a catcher. I, I still believe that. I think that Toronto, and I said this two years ago, and I'll say it today. I said it was the Motor City Bengals. I think the Tigers. Have enough, and, and look, this is John Morosi season now. So <laughs> John Morosi season, great, fantastic guy over MLB Network, but you're going to see those interested in and what have you. I mean, the Blue Jays do have, he, he mentioned the catchers, but this is something that's going on for three years. With Kirk being an all-star this year and having a breakout year, you, have, you still have Gabriel Moreno as well. You have a luxury of doing that, and look, I've said something along the lines of Gregory Soto or something to that effect. 
I don't know the, the if it's just a straight up trade or what have you, but if you go with a guy like Danny Jansen, whose numbers are getting better and better, I think you could solve a lot of issues with that. I think Contreras is part time DH to me, at least in my opinion. But also at the same time, contrary to popular belief, Woodward Tigers is not is run by multiple people, believe it or not. And uh, anyway, w- one of the things that was talked about was a question that John brought up which was, I thought it was strange anyway, but it was who you see behind the plate next year. And I look, I'm perfectly fine with Eric Haas, Jake Rogers, and a combination of somebody else. I really am. But if the Tigers want to upgrade a catcher, by all means, I'm fine with that too. I think Haas showed enough last year that in a platoon situation, he would, I mean, he showed an arm. He would, staff really liked him. So he was better. I mean, Tucker Barnhart elected free agency. He wasn't going to come back. I, I and look, we don't. In terms of uh, Dylan Dingler, we Dingler maybe a year or two away. Who knows? Who knows what they're going to do with D- Dingler too? I mean, they have Josh Crouch emerging, who by the way was the Midwest Player of the Year. Is that right? Or the he made the the All Star team as the catcher. The yeah, he made the All Star team as the catcher. I mean, he struggled with the belay, but that's just. I mean, that, he he still moved up from Lakeland to West Michigan to Erie all one season. That's that's pretty good. So. You have Crouch right there. The Tigers' situation and catcher right now, in terms of across the board, they ha- they signed that catcher from the Reds. It's still kind of shallow, deep. It's not that deep at all. So I think that if they made a trade with the with the plethora of relievers they have, including pitching ninja award winner Alex Lang, who won for probably one of the sickest pitches I've seen all season, then you have that luxury. And Toronto and, and look, Toronto could have done more at the trading deadline to address their bullpen, but they didn't. So they went with what they had. I, I mean, they, they made, they made, they made a lot of change. change uh, they shaped things up quite a bit anyway. But uh, that being said, um, I, I think they go via trade route. And I think they'll sign a four for fifth starter out there. We saw Philly's uh, Zach. Was it, what's the guy's name? Zach Efren. Efren. Yeah. Efren. That's a guy. Of, uh, yeah. I think it was somebody might do. Efron. When they're you know giving the middle finger to Detroit Deuces on Lynn Haining. <laughs> um, and uh yeah, so there's him, there's Quintana, there's a lot of ways they can go about it, but I think they'll just sign a, I think they'll shore up the rotation because what we mentioned earlier with the injuries, there's gonna be a lot of movement. I think I know there's some Tiger fans out there saying spend the money. Of course we want them to spend the money. But wisely, it's the, it's the next thing. I, mean, I will say that uh, one of the guys that I highlighted for the Tigers to sign as reliever already signed. Already signed by the Padres, Robert Suarez. And yeah. uh, apparently, the, according to John Morosi, uh, one of the, the most lucrative deals for a non-closer ever. So, wow. But uh, he's a cool story. But I was kind of hoping the Tigers might go get him. But, you know, probably too expensive, I guess. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah, good thing. Good thing I finally got that piece out this morning. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Five hours. I got the starter. I got the starter one out, and then we have a a a news one going out too. Yeah, I have that one mostly done. It's mostly what we're talking about right now. So there you go. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know. roster moves happening. Going to be a lot more, and uh, Tigers are going to look uh, fairly different, I think, next year. Yeah, and and look, the the bottom line is that. I know they want people to, the people want them to spend. I was, I was trying to finish that up a little bit, but as far as that goes, yeah, I, who knows what way they're going to spend? 
So that that's the way I look at it is there's going to be, yeah, go ahead, Chris. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I know people don't want to hear this because it sounds a little bit like what Avila was selling, but I think Scott Harris wants to make the organization stronger from low A to triple A before spending a ton at the big league level. Uh, and that does, but, but that doesn't mean they're not going to try to get better at the big league level, but I would not expect any big four year, five year, six year deals. Nobody, no, no, no triple, you know, seven digit uh, deals, anything like that. I think it's going to be smaller two, three year deals, max, you know, maybe $15 million a year for the most part, maybe go up to 20 for one year or something like that. But I think, they again, I think they want to get to be where like the Dodgers are, right? Where they can trade from their prospect depth, they can bring guys in when they need them, and they're going to get help uh, for at least average players. And until they get to that point, I don't know if they're going to go all in on big free agents because when those go sour, you don't have any recourse really. You're stuck with right. those big contracts. So, like I said, I, I don't. I wouldn't consider a rebuild in the, in the style that Avila did it, right? Because Avila's was almost 100% driven by the draft. And we see what happens there. You know, sometimes guys get hurt. Sometimes guys don't work out immediately. And uh, and Harris, I think, is going to find players every which way. So I think the Tigers will get better. It'll be a gradual thing. But I, I wouldn't expect any of those those huge deals or spending a ton of money in for another year or two. Like Basically, that's what the Giants did this year. They didn't the two years he was there before and this year they were spending, they spent money on Rodon, spent money on a couple other pitchers and Jack Peterson and stuff like that uh, because they felt like they were contenders and it didn't work out, but uh, that's the way baseball goes. So at least that's my opinion. We'll see. Maybe they'll go out tomorrow and sign Aaron judge. <laughs> I, they're like, according to John, like there's somebody in this court joking around that John Morosi has tigers involved in every single free agent, but I mean, at any rate, or left passing. That was a good one there in the Discord. Left passing. So the last thing I wanted to finish up with before I get out of here and the the late show's got the uh, rest of the shit tonight. <laughs> Contemporary Baseball Arab Valet came out this week. And the name, the following names were on this list. Albert, Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Don Manley, Fred McGriff, Dale Murphy, Rafael Palmero, and Kurt Schilling. One name that was on there before was missing is Lou Whitaker. Okay. So Lou Whitaker is not on this list. The highest war that is not in the Hall of Fame. All right. He has a better war, a better war than Harold Baines, who got in. Oh, by the way, because his manager, Tony, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to swear. I'm sorry. I, I can't, I can't hold back. Yep. Tony Larusa helped you get in there, okay? Now you're gonna put Dale Murphy, who is a uh, look. I know he's a fan. Uh, uh, there's Mike Miles of REM. There's all these fans out there, people who love. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. Oh, hold on, did it slow down again? The leg or oh, Dale Murphy's peak was great. Yeah, Dale he, Murphy okay, was back to back MVP. He was a great player. Yeah. But, but his uh, career war is forty six point five. Okay. After the age of essentially what? After the age of thirty-three, he had the most home runs. After that was thirty. He had 
he didn't hit like he started hitting less for average and less for power after age of 33. Unlike Whitaker, who was still hitting into his late 30s. Okay. All right. So again, I, I, Albert Bell, Albert F- Bell. I mean, he's the only guy that had 50 home runs and 50 doubles. That's a pretty cool th- accomplishment. Awesome. They also played in all these players, with the exception of Murphy, played in a, well, in Don Manley played in, stero- in the steroid era. Don Manley, if Don Manley gets in before Luke Whitaker does, then I, then that theory that everybody talks about, oh, you know, the New York bias and, and all that crap, that, that exists. That will exist because you're going to put Don Manley in, who was very good. Don Manley was very good. Okay. He led the league. I mean, he was an all star six times. He never, you know, in terms of like he won MVP in 1985. He has that over Lou. Okay, fine. I get it. But Don Manley, Don Manley, compared to the rest of this list, you can make your case for Barry Bonds too. Oh, you did steroids. But look at his numbers in Pittsburgh. You can look at his numbers in Pittsburgh and go, based off that alone, if we're basing off his numbers in Pittsburgh, just his time before he joined the Giants, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so his career war is 162.8, okay? 162.8. Barry Bonds, okay? So Barry Bonds' career war, yeah, he's he's really good. So his war with Pittsburgh was 50.3. 50.3, all right? 50.3. The Giants is over 100, okay? And... I just, just saw you sent me. <laughs> I remember you sending me that uh, a while ago. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Wait, no, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Rafael Palmero, he has 500 home runs. Okay. All right. I, I'll listen to that. All right, fine. Steroids or not, I'll listen to that. I'll listen to Roger Clemens, too. Roger Clemens. No offense to Dale Murphy and no offense to Don Man can't. You're gonna deny Lou Whitaker again. You're not even putting it like well, why Dale Murphy? Why? Explain that to me. You yeah, can't. I, mean, I, I don't know. Do we even I didn't even look in to see who was in charge of, of putting these names up there? So I don't know. See, so yeah, I'm, you know what? I got let's look at the committee, shall we? Who is in yeah. charge of the baseball committee here, real quick? Because this is something that I'm really kind of – look, the Hall of Fame, we've talked about this numerous times. To us, the Hall of Fame is always going to be some sort of sham job thing because it's sometimes as also – I shouldn't I should also curb my uh, anger about this because now I just got accepted into the Detroit Baseball Writers Association, so I'm actually going to be part of the machine. Whether I don't have a Hall of Fame yet. Yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not part of the Hall of Fame vote or anything like that. I don't even know how that works how to get, I think you have to, I don't know. Anyway, so you have these, so <laughs> I just looking at this list and, and one of the things we talked about, Chris, is that we always talk about how baseball writers have memories like turtles or elephant. They never forget. And certain players were, you know, uh, certain people were dicks to them or whatever the case may be. I don't know. If you're going to tell me, you don't hold any, if you look at some of these ballots, you're going to tell me they didn't hold anything personal against the, uh, against somebody come on i mean for christ's sake look i look at somebody like steve carlton for example steve carlton was a pretty eccentric guy didn't like the media didn't talk to the media from from my recollection of it 
and he was he was a slam dunk to get in, but he didn't get in on the first try. But Mariano Rivera did. Derek Jeter, I think Derek Jeter too, right? Uh, he didn't get every vote. He was one shy, I think. So you know that one person out there is going, yeah, everybody. Ah, yeah, that's right. I'm I'm the guy who didn't vote for Derek Jeter. You can say what you want about his numbers, whatever, fine. But there's always going to be one person out there that can find, you know, find somebody to do that. But in terms of the, see here, the 16 member contemporary, see here. Yeah, so it's, 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 it looks like it's uh, members of the Hall of Fame, executives, and veteran media members. Okay, so. but who, who's a part of the, oh, oh, yeah, okay, here's a, here's the committees. All right. So who is the committee for, Okay, the membership. All right, so uh, so that doesn't have it. What the hell? So they so not have the committee. Play, there's a players committee and the non-players committee. So okay, so the according to the website shall consist of 16 members you just mentioned, and let's see here. Beginning in 2022, election for. Contemporary baseball era player candidates shall be held once every three years at the major league winter meetings. Let's see here, but it doesn't say who's on the ballot, who's on the who's on the committee, right? Yeah. No, I, I don't think. Uh, I don't know if we'll know until the players are actually elected. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just you, I just assume. That it's uh, people who are some way in some way connected to Mattingly and Murphy and, and Bell, right? Like Clemens and Bonds and Schilling are all kind of obvious as guys who whose numbers say they should be in the Hall of Fame, but have tons and tons of baggage. The other guys are just it's it's it feels like a Harold Baines case again, right? Where it's just somebody. This was a great player that I really liked, and I want to see him honored. And it's like, okay, cool, but what about Lou Whitaker? <laughs> and look, take too, it too much to ask. And look, take, but look, take away our tiger, the fact that we live in Detroit and watch him play. Take that away from us for a second. By the way, to get in to get a Hall of Fame vote, by the way, you have to be covering a beat for 10 consecutive years. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. So but um it is <laughs> look, look at his numbers as a second baseman, and that's all you need to know. He's among top five in a lot of different categories. Of all time, all right. It's not some Detroit bias. It's not some uh, the, the thing. It's not. It's facts for facts. Whether I, if I was in New York, I would say the same thing. It doesn't matter. Lou, the fact that Lou Whitaker's not even being considered this time for Dale Murphy. Sorry, Braves fans out there that listen to us. Nothing against Dale Murphy. Again, nothing against him personally. Just the numbers sure. don't speak for it. Same thing with Don Manley. You guys tell me that again. It's just it's even like Lou Whitaker never had a like he never missed a lot of time due to bad health manly had a bad back he missed some time and kurt Schilling, i mean in terms of us like late bloomer he put on a very hell of a great career after the age of what 27 28 i mean he was really good and and one of the great all-time playoff pitchers yeah Uh, but again you know there's a lot of personal baggage there that people can't abide you know and uh that's fine. I mean, I, I I figured that he would eventually get elected by this committee, right? Yeah. You, you take the the those uh, 
discerning media types out of there and you just uh, get him elected by a bunch of his old teammates and friends or whatever but maybe right. he doesn't have good friends i don't know we'll see yeah again whether you like him or not personally it's the same thing with bonds not a lot of people like barry bonds but barry bonds numbers speak for itself and again it's not the hall of fame your he's your best friend committee it's or hall of fame that take two it's not the Hall of Fame. It's not the very good Hall of Fame. It's the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I was trying to go with a different angle, and I totally failed that. But it's not the Hall of Friends. Yeah, it's not the Hall of Fame Friends. It's not the Super Hall of Friends. But yeah. I just—that's the thing that's frustrating to me. Is you again? You you dropped Steve Garvey. Okay, I understand why you dropped Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey was pretty close too. But another. But here's the thing: it's not even Lou Whitaker. I have a problem with. Is yeah, I think that really they what bums me out the most about this whole thing. Other players outside of Luther that I have not even mentioned that uh deserve some consideration. I mean, it, to me, like players that still is not in the Hall of Fame and should be, and like Peter's freezing up. And it's one of the, it's a guy, sorry, it was, it's Dick Allen. Dick Allen should be in the Hall of Fame. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it, did, he was I one vote. I think it was one last... vote close. I think it was one no, vote away right. or something like that. And yeah, the guy I mean, died there, in there are, 2020. Go ahead. I'm sorry. There are a handful of players uh, that, that like, I, I thought Kenny Lofton deserved a lot more recognition than he got, but. He played for like 30 different teams. So I don't think anybody ever really, um, you know, identified with him that, that closely. But I mean, he's, he's one of the better leadoff hitters of the last 40 years. And, uh, you know, his, his war, he's close to 70 war. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, for whatever reason, there are just players who get overlooked. And it just seems like it's just going to keep happening to, to Lou Whitaker. And uh, yeah, I mean, we God, we did a TV interview the last time this happened. We were on TV. Yeah. We're on TV. Talking about yeah, like, hey, there's always next time, and then this time it's not even on the damn ballot. So it's bullshit. I'm sorry, I don't care if I'm swearing. It's it's bullshit. It's complete 100 bullshit. Yeah. Same thing with a guy who's a guy like Dick Allen too. And if you haven't watched the Secret Base, the Dorktown video about David Steve, do yourself a favor. Dave, Dave. Take do yourself a favor this weekend if you get some time. Watch, it's in four parts, but it's fantastically done. It makes you completely change your opinion about some of the pitchers in the 80s. Because admittedly, I only, I, Dave Steve was, when I was growing up, was kind of towards the tail end of his prime. It was like 87, 88. It wasn't the same pitcher. It was more like you had to worry about Jimmy Key and then later on Juan Guzman. Um, There's other pitchers you had to worry about in Toronto, but I never worried about Dave Steve because at the time, at this point in his career, when I was growing up watching him, he wasn't what he was. Now, you look at some of his numbers in the early 80s, he was actually a better pitcher than Jack Morris by war, by strikeouts, yeah. by everything. But but then they have the dynamic where they show Steve and Jack Morris and more certainly mm-hmm. the, the bus when they were mm-hmm. won the championship in Toronto. The whole thing is it's fascinating because they're basically pointing out that Jack Morris is an asshole. But yeah. there's more to it than that, and I'm not – I have no opinion of Jack Morrissey the way the guy's a guy's a player, whatever the case may be. But 
That being said, it's fascinating. But th- guys like David C will never get in the Hall of Fame because based off his pure numbers. And then he comes back at the age of 38, 39, 40, 40. And he has a really good year as a reliever. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Now I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to stay. Like, I'm going to go back to being retired. That's, yeah. that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. And it's, yeah. It, 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 by the way, it was, there's a great correlation between him and Roy Holiday in there that I'm not going to spoil for you, but it's, do yourself a favor and watch that. It, those documentaries they do is fantastic. The baseball ones. I haven't really watched the other sport ones, admittedly, but do yourself a favor and do that. So, um, but on that note, I'm getting out of here for the early show and I will, will be, if anything happens, you know, we'll be on top of it. We're going to have another article or two out here in the next couple of days. So any breaking news, Woodward sports will be on top of it. You know, it. Chris and I are going to be w- working the beat diligently and we appreciate everyone listening. Um, and also look, Woodward sports year tiger hoodies. Yeah. The hoodies are here. Tiger's gear. Go to the shop, get yourself something nice for Christmas. Get your wife a Woodward Tiger City. Now she's gonna be like, "What the? This is a podcast you listen to with that angry Cuban dude." And uh, maybe she likes it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know what? Maybe women who likes their podcast, let us know. That'd be cool. Because I do look at our audience numbers; it's like ninety-five percent male. So that doesn't shock me. No, nah, that nah, doesn't shock me at all. So um, that being said, thanks so much. Tune, stay tuned for the late show. I have, sorry, I have to say the real cliche voice. And uh, yeah. We'll be keeping, by the way, the another thing real quick is, no, no free agent moves. I was going to see if there's any before I left, but no. until next week, we'll talk to you then.